At the T-minus three-minute mark, tape recorders on board the spacecraft were turned on. These recorders record both voice and data. This is WOMMLP operating out of Burlington, Vermont, 105.9 The Radiator. Good evening. It is The Rocket Shop. I'm your host tonight, Tom Proctor. And with me is uh, Big Heavy World only uh, Cobalt Blue. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for for coming in and showcasing some of your, <laughs> your music this evening. It's been a work in progress for sure. Well, um, as you know, we always like starting off with the song. So yes. what you got for us? Um, this is a song called... Opat Hautslag, which is um, Icelandic for love song, or favorite song, or something along those lines. I don't know, I'm not fluent. Um, <laughs> so yeah, here it is. It's uh, partially in Icelandic and the chorus is in English. <laughs> Or after a chorusing, I'm a kiss for wonder. After all, you were all but habit. Tell us that how to treat it like now. We sing in conversation. Cobalt Blue there with, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. <laughs> it's okay. Opat Hadslag. Okay. I'll leave you to the uh, the pronunciations. So um, I'm guessing you've got a little bit of um, a bit of influence from Sigo Ross. Is, yes, absolutely, yeah. actually. Um, Happy Pola was a big inspiration for this song specifically. Um, I listen to a lot of Icelandic music just because I really like it there. Mm. I'm not even of like Icelandic descent or anything like that. It's just kind of a... 
I went there one year with my family, and then I've just been thinking about it ever since. <laughs> yeah. What is it about Iceland and the kind of uh, their aesthetic, their their culture? Uh, what about the music? It's really just beautiful. Actually, um, what really surprised me when I went to Reykjavik, which is uh, the capital of Iceland, they have a punk museum in the city that used to be like a public bathroom, and they mm. turned it into this whole museum of Icelandic punk music history. And I was in there for like two hours. It was incredible, and it was just such a small place. And like, I guess that really inspired me to look more into it. Um, plus, the place is just so beautiful. Um, and I, I, I have a dream of mine. Um, eventually I'd like to move to Iceland as, uh, to represent them in Eurovision. That's my like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, it's, it's a, my dream. It's a great dream. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of a time when Iceland won a Eurovision Song Contest. I don't think they ever did. They haven't ever done that. <laughs> then again, you know, Eurovision's, uh, for those that don't know, definitely check it out on YouTube or something. It's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty funny contest um so yeah i mean iceland's got a the deep steep uh, steep history of, of producing really out there really interesting kind of music so yeah um, definitely. how does that influence your music how what's your process how do you how do you go about making a track oh man it's different every single time with this one um it started in english <laughs> and then i just hated the lyrics so much because they sounded weird. And I'm like, I don't, I just don't like this, you know? Mm -hmm. What can I do to make it special? I'm just, just sing it in Icelandic, you know? <laughs> so that's what I did. And I, and I like it significantly better now. Um, with other songs, it's like, it usually starts with a guitar riff. And then I make something out of that. Sometimes it's like one line of lyrics. Um, I keep like a notebook just of things I hear, like in the streets or like randomly in passing. I'll think like, oh, that's a good song lyric. No, I should write that down. So I, I carry a notebook around with me. And yeah, eventually I kind of just like collect a whole bunch of them and then I throw it together and it's like some nonsense of a song. <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you, have you learned Icelandic specifically to play music or have you, is this kind of like a yes. hobby of yours? Yeah, yeah actually, I, I'm not fluent yet, mm. <laughs> but I did initially start learning it for uh, the purpose of being able to sing in Icelandic. Wow. And how yeah. long ago did that happen? I actually started this year, in the beginning of this year. Well, that's definitely going to be part of my next question. Is kind of I've, I've asked every someone, every person that's come through here, but what's your COVID experience been like in terms of your music and how's that helped your yeah. music or hindered your music, in fact? I, I would go so far as to say that Cobalt Blue wouldn't exist without COVID because um, I actually came up with a band name right like the week it, well, I say band name, it's just me and a bunch of mannequins. <laughs> um, but uh, I came up with it like the first week we were locked down. And I was um, doing a self-portrait in oil paints um, just like to pass the time. And it was only in blues or mostly in blues. And I kept running out of cobalt blue. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm just sitting there like, you know, hours at an easel. Like, oh, that would be a good band name, you know, if I had a band. And then I said, well, I guess I don't really need a band. I just do it myself. So I spent a lot of that time... Um, I guess figuring out how to write music, or more so the technological side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and now that I'm here in Burlington, like in college, it's so different. Like it's opened up a whole new world of what I can do with technology for music. Um, so it's just been growing since then. Yeah. Um, so I, I dare say that it was a positive thing. COVID was a positive experience for my musicianship, although it was a, you know, obviously a terrible thing to have happened. It affected a lot of people who 
you know, tour and stuff. I'm just mm-hmm. not at that level yet. Right. I mean, for for a lot of musicians, it's it's been a it's been a great time to be able to create because you can kind of cloister yourself inside. And yeah, we've talked to a few people who've kind of set up their own home studios or got way better at producing their own music or yeah, uh, just yeah, just kind of blossom creatively. Um, I see yourself, you know, you've got your SoundCloud, um, we've got a few tracks on there, but there is an album Not on yet. the way. There is so, an album on the way. So do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, um, <laughs> the the songs that I'm playing tonight are all from that album that is coming up. Um, the songs that are already released are, like, I don't really consider them, like, real songs, I guess. They're all, it's all digital. They're mostly, like, practice, if anything else. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know, this sounds okay, let's just put it out there just to get my name on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I have <laughs> I have an album laid out. You know, I'm not sure when exactly it's going to be, um, when it's going to come to fruition, but I'm hoping sometime this summer, like maybe in the August, mm-hmm. maybe September region, but I'm, I'm going, I'm going for it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, how far are you at the moment? Have you, how many tracks you got? And I've got... Oh, let's see. I think 13 tracks right now. Okay. Everything is written. It's just like the recording process mm-hmm. I need to do, which I plan to do myself because that's what I'm going to school for. Um, but I don't know anything about the actual music business. So that's where I'm kind of trying to find someone to help me out with that. So what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like promoting or marketing? or? Yeah, um, yeah, that and like just getting my stuff out there, like getting it on Spotify, like r- real platforms people use, you know, other than just like self-uploaded stuff. Yeah. And I know nowadays it's so much easier to do that than it used to be. So I, I feel lucky in that regard. But I don't know. I, I want to go about it as professionally as I can. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And and you said you, you're you studying this at Champlain, UVM? Yes. Champlain. Champlain. Yep, I am a creative media major uh, with a specialization in sonic arts, which is, you know, just fancy words for audio engineering. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, though. Uh, so you, you you got access to all the state-of-the-art equipment, I'm assuming. Yeah, they have a really nice studio, and I basically live there. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I want to learn the board. You know, they have all sorts of buttons and stuff, and it's just mm-hmm. so exciting for me. That's um, awesome. Yeah, and, and they have such great professors there that are, Willing to go the extra mile for students who are engaged in this. So, like, not not to be, like, marketing for the school or anything, <laughs> but, like, I, I've just had, you know, a great time. Yeah, and um, does that mean you've got a lot of space to kind of practice and maybe mess up and re-record without having to worry about the... So many people talk about how expensive studio time is, right? Yes. So do you have that kind of luxury of being able to take a little bit more time over this? Absolutely. Um, I'm also lucky because... Well, because of COVID, there's not many people in the studio, like, ever. So I can just be in there for hours at a time. You know, I don't have to pay for the space. I don't have to pay for any of my own equipment. I can just take over the whole place and spend, like, five hours there and just, like, really flesh out what I'm doing. Um, and I, I have recorded stuff in there, but it's not not songs that will be on the album, mostly just uh, tracks to get me used to the equipment, if yeah. that makes sense. No, for sure. Um but if you, uh, I can imagine, as you said, it's kind of pretty quiet at the moment, and that's understandable because of COVID. Have you brought in any other fellow students or friends into your music making? Uh, <laughs> is it, or is this purely solo and you kind of want to do this one yourself? Okay, that's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of my um, time in high school trying to get a band together. Like, yeah. that's all I wanted. Um, 
And I succeeded multiple times, but it always just ended terribly because of, like, one reason or another. It was usually because of, like, creative differences or, like, I was usually the one who took it too seriously and everybody else was like, you know, like, oh, yeah, we'll get together sometime. Mm -hmm. I was like, when are we touring? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that just always ended up not working out. So I kind of realized that maybe it would be best if I just did everything myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I I wrote it all. I played it all. That's why I learned so many instruments. You know, I I play the drums for my own songs. I play guitar, bass, you know, anything that it needs. I'm going to learn the instrument so I can get it on there. Um, And (laughs) I haven't... I haven't officially collaborated with anybody, but I am open to it. Like my friend Abby here, we we have written a song together in the time um, I've been in school, but that's really about it. You know, it's kind of my own journey here. That's actually part of the reason I have uh, mannequins standing around (laughs) me. (laughs) Um, The gimmick is kind of, um, it's a stand-in band because my goal, obviously I can't do this right now, but my goal is to sound like a full band. I couldn't rig things up electronically tonight to make that happen, unfortunately. Um, but the idea is in a real show in a, in a, or a bigger live setting, um, it would just be me and maybe a four or five piece band made up of mannequins. And mm-hmm. they would hold instruments, um, allowing me to freely switch off between any of the instruments so I could play any of the parts I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a friend back home, I'm rigging up a system to kind of make it so that I have a physical button to mute and unmute tracks. So it's kind of a combination of like pre-recorded tracks and live music, improvised live music mm. based on, you know, whatever I, cho- I choose to pick up in the moment. Interesting. And so would that include like looper pedals and... Yes. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it's not it's not totally fleshed out yet, but that's going to be the idea. I, You know, I had to come up with something because I can't be a one-man band all at the same time, but I, I can do it in parts. So so is it like Cobalt <laughs> Blue and the Mannequin Band? Yes, or, okay. when it's live, it's Cobalt Blue and the Mannequin Band. It's just me tonight, it's Cobalt Blue, but I, I brought I brought Lolo along I mean, anyway. <laughs> they're not playing this evening. But no, they're, they're, they're just here, they're here you know, to... Moral support. Moral support. Yeah, if, if you can read the sign here, it says they're out of service. So, you know, I, I had to get them fixed. <laughs> um, well, we would love to hear another song uh, from just you. Okay. So what have you got for us? Um, I think I'll play a song called um, As Plants Do. <laughs> Food. For now, 
it's a drug And I just can't get out of it There's always some lights Freezing over my eyes I wish that summer were all the time Size, but now I wait for better times Fractions can be simplified For now I live For now I live For now I live For now I live Blue there with As Plants Do. Do you yes. want to tell me a little bit about that song? So, yeah, what title yeah. and the. I actually wrote this song not very long ago. I think it was the first day here in Burlington that it reached like 50 degrees. <laughs> and I was so happy that I had to write a song about it. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm not really sure what it's about. That, like, that's, I hate saying that, but um, <laughs> I like to compare myself to. Uh, REM songs because you listen to it and you have no idea what they're talking about, mm-hmm. but like it's catchy, so whatever. Um, so I, I think of this song as kind of a mishmash of different meanings you can derive from it, but primarily I think it's about coming out of winter, you know, coming out of a kind of depressive state and feeling the sun for the first time again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a momentous day when that happens. Yeah, yeah, especially after a long winter here in New England. And every single year I get tricked into thinking it's going to be a nice spring again, and then... There's snows in April. And then two weeks later we get this kind of weather. Yeah. Um, I'm thankful, though. I, I feel like it's on the way, and I, I, I love summer so much, you know, so I, I had to celebrate it. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, of course, and I think during those, those first days of spring where those... You know, the green, get on the green gets on the trees and you finally, as you said, feel the warmth on your skin. I can imagine wanting to sit down and like pen something to kind of yeah be joyous in that moment. That's wonderful. And so you were saying um, in, in high school, you tried to get a band together a lot. Multiple bands, Multiple yeah. Multiple bands together. <laughs> um, so it sounds like you've been musical for quite a while. So can yeah. you through that journey. Uh, have you been <laughs> doing this since you were uh, like two, three or did you? No, actually, the first time I picked up an instrument was... I don't know, like third or fourth grade for the school band, and I played the flute, and I absolutely hated it. Like, worst time in my life ever. (laughs) It's a bit of an exaggeration, but, like, I I just, I didn't enjoy it at all. And after I put the flute away, which is, like, around eighth grade, sometime in middle school, I was like, you know, I'm never touching an instrument again. Like, Mm -hmm. that was so boring. (laughs) And then I I guess I started to listen to more music, you know, um, 
expand my horizons a little bit. And I was like, you know, I really like this. Like, I'm connecting with this. This means something to me. And I started envisioning myself, like, what if I could play that? What if I was on stage? Um, and luckily, you know, my, my father, he is a guitarist, and so is my grandfather. So I had an easy way of getting into that. So I asked my dad for, like, a really short lesson. I asked my grandfather for a really short lesson. I quickly uh, learned stuff on acoustic guitar. And I picked up electric, and I, I'm primarily an electric guitar player. Um, but, like, you know, limited resources in college, so I'm making it work tonight with an acoustic <laughs> guitar. Um, and then it just, like, exploded from there. In high school, I learned the violin. I have a cello now, you know. I played viola in a string orchestra. I have <laughs> I have an accordion and a trumpet at home, you know. I just, I want to learn everything. I, I want to be Prince, basically. <laughs> Did you ever pick up the flute again? No. I think <laughs> I took it out of my closet once, like, two years ago, and I played a C chord, or a C note, and I'm like, yep, that's enough. Let's, let's put that back. <laughs> I, I have discovered that I, I prefer stringed instruments. I see. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting, considering you, you have amassed so much of a, a collection of instruments and the ability to play it that flute has still got a bit of a black mark next to its name. Yeah, that just wasn't a great experience it, overall. Yeah. You know, maybe a concert settings in that regard aren't, aren't really my thing yeah i mean more power to you power to you with the other instruments um and uh and so when you were in high school trying to create these bands was it all in the similar vein of what you're trying to do now or did you have visions of being punk or goth or metal or um i think the band i made it i guess furthest with was primarily a metal band mm. that was always kind of what I leaned towards it was either punk or metal um and then I had I had like a, a duo uh which lasted for a little bit that was like some weird combination of like folk and punk and like metal it was it was bizarre everything I did was like kind of out there mm -hmm. but I loved it you know and I don't I don't really know what I would call myself as a genre you know because even here playing this now it's a different genre from what I recorded, you know, mm -hmm. back in the studio. So, right. I don't know. It gets so convoluted. Right. Um, do you have, uh, when, when you're kind of creating tracks, do you have a vision of where you see it going? And you, you stick diligently to that vision? Or are you kind of more of a, well, this is kind of an idea. I'm going to see what it sounds like and move yeah. from there. Um, I think the only ever the the only song I ever had like a clear vision for was the last one I'm I'm going to play tonight. It's called Dream Girl, but everything else has just started with some tiny snippet of something, whether it's lyrics or um, a guitar riff or or something else. And I usually go into it with no vision at all, mm -hmm. and then something happens, and I'm like, oh, I guess that's cool. And then a week later, I change my mind, and now it's a completely different kind of song. Um, like the one I just did as plants do, that was meant to be a little bit more upbeat than it actually is. It, it's kind of a fast paced song, but the lyrics aren't very, you know, <laughs> enjoyable. <laughs> it's just, uh, I don't know. It, it's really hard describing my songwriting process. Cause like, mm. I feel like I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. It's just my, like the conglomeration in my brain just kind of yeah. like finds its way onto a paper. So you don't have a particular like place you like writing or or, or setting where you feel most creative. It's not in my well. dorm room. Not in, just anywhere. <laughs> anywhere that's not your dorm room. Anywhere else. <laughs> um, a lot of my songs I've written outside. Yeah. I will say that though. Um, 
I mean, I try to write in the studio just because, like, going back to the professionalism thing, that, that's a very professional thing to do, you know? You, you show up and you do your work at the, the fancy mm-hmm. studio, but that doesn't really end up happening either. Um, I think because I go into it saying, like, okay, I need to write a song today. Mm-hmm. And then I get stressed out about it. Um, it's yeah. difficult to be creative in a, in a profession, quote-unquote professional setting, you know? Yeah, it's... it is. And I, I know that I'm not built for a professional setting at all. <laughs> Despite what I keep saying about how I want this whole musical project to be presented, I'm not a professional person. I would say 99.9% of musicians are not professional. It took me a long time <laughs> to realize that. I, the day I learned that Paul McCartney doesn't know how to read sheet music, I like I had to sit down. I was like, <laughs> I had a crisis. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what we, we often see is like that final product, you know, when yeah. it's all polished and it's taken many, many hours and you know, uh, a lot of stress and strain and creative outbursts to get there. And we think, oh, well, this person must have their... They know uh, what they're doing. They, they, they yeah. have their stuff together, you know what I mean? Whereas in reality is we've just seen the end product rather than everything that kind of created it, which is just, you know, probably fireworks and yeah. explosions and a whole mess of things. Yeah, so. and in high school, I was really obsessed with learning music theory. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was what was going to get me to make it, you know? Um, and then I quickly found out that music theory is a lot like math, which I'm very, very bad at. <laughs> um, but I tried my best. I stuck with it for four years. I took music theory and it was miserable, but I, I do think I'm better, a, a better musician because of it, but mm-hmm. it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. It's really not. You just, you have to have a drive to do it and some kind of vision and the will to to learn your craft, you know? You don't, you don't need to have that kind of classical... Uh, contemporary training and we've had people in here who have definitely had that kind of musical theory knowledge and i mean some people love that kind of music but personally i find it horribly dull yeah um it's awful (laughs) i i do find value in it but oh my god you know it's just too much my mind goes back to uh to a guy that did like acoustic jazz i can't remember you remember the name bob of that guy no, jazz gets real weird. The, I mean, this the guy was was jazz, but just with yeah, on like a cello. Um, anyway, it was very strange music. Um, so we got about time for one more song. Um, but before you play it, I want you to. You said this is the one song that you had a real creative vision for. So yes. te- talk me through the creation of this song. Okay, the song is called Dream Girl. It's <laughs> it's about um. The manic pixie dream girl trope, which is, you know, something you see in movies a lot. Um, and I was, you know, growing up, I would see this all the time. It, it's usually like a, a female character who's meant to be like the quirky, you know, um, fun loving one who is meant to aid the male character um, in their, I don't know, quest to learn or find happiness or I don't know, mm. something like that. Growing up, I was always like, yeah, those are my favorite kind of characters. Like, I want to be like her. And then I kind of started to realize, like, this isn't really a great image, mm-hmm. you know? It's it's a cliche, and it's, a, it's kind of not really a great message to be spreading to, to young girls, you know? Um, and it kind of made me angry, <laughs> just because I, I, I know I want it to be that. Um, so I wrote this song in Rage, <laughs> and it's kind of about the people who um, expect a manic pixie dream girl in real life. All right. If that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah, we'll take it away. All right, let me just uh, screw with some buttons here. All right.
Having my roadie take over. <laughs> <laughs> Not every band gets a roadie. Fourteen. Cool. Okay, without further delay, <laughs> this is Dream Girl. so much for coming in thank you that was a uh, that was a little rough on an acoustic guitar <laughs> <laughs> forgive me for that but oh, that was great and uh, we're looking forward to the album coming out later on this year anyway we're sure thank you you'll very be much. on the on the album and you've got to come back in again once that's uh <laughs> once released 
Yeah, you guys haven't seen the last of me yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just before I let you go, um, if people do want to listen to you, where do they find you? Um, usually I post uh, a lot of my stuff on my Instagram, uh, which is at cobaltblue.music. And uh, right now I'm most active on YouTube, which is just under Cobalt Blue. Um, I also have SoundCloud and Bandcamp under the same name. And hopefully when that album comes out, I'll be on all the major platforms <laughs> under Cobalt Blue. Unless it's live, then I'm Cobalt Blue in the Mannequin Band. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for coming in. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, catch us next week. We're going to have Dogface in the studio. This is 105.9 The Radiator. It's been The Rocket Shop. I've been your host, Tom Proctor, and good night. <laughs>